0: Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Motez, reporting to listeners each week from the fabulous Florida Keys. You can order my books at catchoutdoors.com or on Amazon Kindle. Books from my website are signed while they last. Hey. (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's Monday morning in the Keys. I'm coming off a nasty head cold, so my voice may force me to stop (laughs) yakking. I can also talk a lot lower. Yeah, a little bit early. I may have to drop off this. We'll see how far I can get with this, but uh, I have to play it by ear. Good news, I tested negative for COVID, so it's just a good old-fashioned head cold that's uh, a little bit chest and, you know, that stuff. Yay. Bad news is Janelle got it. Got it for me, so I apologize for that. But anyway, we'll we'll struggle through. This week's episode is number seventy-one hosting guest, and uh, yeah, I you know I thought it'd be interesting since I've had guests here for the last five days. So it was like you know they went home on Sunday, and uh, you know it's like I could say hosting guest in Florida, but it's really most anywhere. So that's why I wanted to do this. We just had Janelle's uh, brother Steve. And his wife Terry down this way, and we had a great time, really did. It was a lot of fun so i was I was you know it's one of my little thought things that goes on i thought I'd like to give tips from both sides of this topic, um kind of what we the host were thinking, and also um a take on what we the guest, you know might also hope happens, and you know being just a few days, even in a month, you know, just like, what do you expect when you come down? And then what do we expect when you come down? That kind of thing. So long story short, when you live in paradise, expect guests. <laughs> I made that note right at the top of this page, expect, yes, it's going to happen. And it's happened to us, uh, obviously more than it ever has in the past, which is really cool. no, no complaints. Um, well, you know. We live in paradise, so like I said, expect guests. Why not? I mean, we got it pretty good down here in the Sunshine State. Most, most of us like to, to show it off, especially in the winter months when folks up north are freezing their asses off and we're not. Bah. Yeah, it's a bit of rubbing it in, I guess, but that's what social media is for, right? And, and on that note, one thing I'd like to, to note right off the bat, on social media, Florida takes a beating. It's, it's usually about our governor or the fact that we all own guns and we know how to use them. And there's gators and sharks and all kinds of creatures that might eat you. Yeah, but get this. It's Florida. It is, happens to be mostly a red state for now. And that's actually okay by me. People from all walks of life seem to get along just fine down here. That's based on my observations. We have, shoot, the Keys have an, an amazing mix of people. And we all seem to grin and, and do our thing. You know, we fish and we, we bike and we hike and we play in the bars and eat at the restaurants. And everyone seems to be a pretty happy lot down here. So, certainly, I'm certainly not going to complain about it. So, let's look at Florida from a Floridian's point of view. It's almost always sunny here. It's almost always warm. <laughs> we have beautiful beaches, great fishing, lots of open land and space. And we have water to explore. So, I mean, you know, that's my take on it. We don't pay income tax. We do pay tolls if we drive long distances and sometimes tolls for bridges. Lots of toll roads. However, most of the money that's used for beaches and Florida promotions comes from tourists, out-of-towners. It's called a bed tax, for those that don't know. It applies to most hotel, resort Motel and other short term rentals. There's also a 6% sales tax piled on top of that. Bed tax, I think, is like around 13% now. Now, you're helping us out with that, okay? You're helping put sand on our beaches, restoring beaches, cleaning beaches, picking up plastic and all that crap that people seem to like to throw out the car windows. Uh, You're helping pay for our roadways in some cases, not always. Uh, it's, but it's Oh, and, and of course, advertising you're paying, you're paying for us to bring you down here via your television set or anything else that you might look at. So long story short, we want visitors. We want them to spend as much time, as much money here as possible. (laughs) So that's that. Welcome to the state of Florida. Now Janelle and I are very much aware of being the hub for guests. It's actually okay by us as I mentioned earlier and we enjoy having friends and family from the great white freezing cold north come down here to visit especially obviously in the winter. What we can't figure out is why anyone would go back. <laughs> we hear the the stories of the people that come down and they you know even even our most recent guests Steve and Terry they're from North Florida. I mean right up by the Georgia border. And you know they're like, oh, it's cold up there. I mean, it was cold. We had frost, and we go walking. There's frost on the grass, and it's just terrible. And, da, 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 and then they go home. Um, I mean, I understand there's family and reasons and stuff like that. And there's reasons that people go out of state back home too, because they got a lot of family up there where they're from. But it it still puzzles me. It just does. I don't do cold. I would figure out how to move the whole family south if it were possible. You know, if it were me, let's 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 just all go down that way. It's much more fun. And that kind of leads me to the inner workings of all this topic, the the Florida guest, you know, not just everywhere. Like I said before, you can have guests anywhere and and a lot of this topic applies, but this is specifically about the Florida guest type thing right now. We often go visit someone in Florida. Janelle and I do. We we may travel to see shows, um, family, old friends, and it can be most anywhere. We don't really impose unless asked to stay at their residence, so... And more often than not, it's easier for us to just do the hotel thing, especially if it's just a day or two. You know, just check into the hotel. And yes, we're now paying bed and sales tax. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So yeah, so see, it works both ways. You know, no matter what you, no matter what you do. Um, but I like staying at someone's house for a night or two. I really do. Um, well, obviously it's cheaper. You know, hotel rates in Florida have skyrocketed in a lot of places now. Central Florida, away from beach, is not. Too bad, but it's obviously, I won't say way more, but it's obviously more than it was. Your typical room that was going for $199 to $129 now is almost twice that. It's close to $199 to $230, $240, depending again on, on your interior area. The beaches are much worse. Um, hotels down here in, in the Keys are, oh, I've you know i seen as little as $125, but I'm not sure you want to stay there. I've seen quite a few at 300 and there's if you want a resort ooh 5 to 600 yeah plus your little amenity pay they throw on top of that so yeah so it can get a little dicey but i happen to admit and i will certainly admit that i like resorts and i'll pay the price i mean i you're on the beach right you got a big pool got a lovely poolside waitress that brings you piña coladas I'll happily pay 10 bucks for those or more. I think they're up to like 15 now. It's ridiculous. Anyway, it's it's like a mini vacation. You know, you you break out for the weekend, you pick a resort, and you stay on the beach. It's nice. It's expensive, but it's nice. It's a true getaway. Weather is right, I'm soaking in the pool, you know. It's so it's all good. Fishing off the beach. So I've come up with a basic rule after Talking to other Florida residents and doing a bit of online research, what is the appropriate length of time for in-home guests to stay with you? A lot of this I pulled from the web. It was very interesting. There are all kinds of the web is full of polls. (laughs) Most answer three to four nights. You want to know why? This is this is anyway. They mentioned the need to do laundry after four days, more than anything else, and they don't want to impose that the person at the house to use laundry facilities where they can do that at a resort, hotel, whatever they have, laundries, they'll go there. I, you know, folks, it, if you want to do your laundry at my house, that's okay. You're staying here with me. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that, but I found that as a very weird answer. I actually thought it was funny and totally unexpected. This also does not, let me replete, does not include family. The family numbers for stayovers were much higher. So if you were a family staying at the house, those numbers could be a week to 10 days, as a non-family guest, were the ones where you hear the three to four nights. So that's an interesting breakdown. I guess it's because you know each other pretty well and you've been around each other for a long time. And also, the home is mostly used for breakfast, uh, showering, and uh, sleeping. So that's you know that's pretty much what it's all about. I mean, for the last four and a half, almost five days here with Joe's Nell's brother and, and sister-in-law, <clears throat> his wife. I mean, slept, breakfast, and then went out dinner and all, and came home, slipped fresh you know, and showers. That's pretty much it. Got to remember now, Florida is an outdoor destination. So, um, most guests, they want to be outside and not cooped up in a house the whole time they're down here. Certainly not in a condo or an apartment. So, which reminds me, it's always best to have a backup indoor plan, of course. So, the bottom line is that most Floridians like guests. I found that out. They have they like it down. If they don't know you real well, or if you're just a friend, three to four days. If you're family, you know I would have to say long term friends. You can stay here a week. I know who you are. I've been around, if I've been around you for twenty or thirty years, I know your habits. So whatever. But they're welcome to come and stay with us or stay nearby. Pretty simple. So if you if you feel more comfortable doing the hotel motel, that's fine. Come to our house for dinners, hanging out, cocktails before we go to dinner. That kind of that's fine. You can sleep on the couch. Had too much to drink. You can drop on the couch. It's not a big deal. Um, so. So let's move on to the entertainment segment and uh, places to see and, and things to do in Florida. You got to keep them busy. That's my motto. Janelle and I just moved to the Keys back in July, and we've you know we've coming down this way for good lord, regular ba- almost thirty years. We've seen a lot, and lo- and we we really probably know more than most about what's down this way. I do get those calls, and I do get those emails. Hey, we're coming down. What can we do? Well, cool. Give them a string of things. Add things on as we go. <laughs> it's whatever. I mean, it's kind of cool. Our location does does seem a bit special compared to others. I, I guess we have a string of islands about 105 miles long with lots to do along the way. And not only that, there are a ton of restaurants. There's side road visits. There's shops. Some of the m- most amazing gift places you've been in. You know, those weird, brightly colored ones with uh, signs and tiki shields and totem poles and flags. I love going in those. You absolutely never know what you're going to find in one of those things, Especially check the corners. <laughs> you know, you've got to pull off the road to investigate. That, that's, that's, part of, that's part of Florida. But again, for us, it's all about outdoors, big time. When I lived up in Kentucky, it was, it was very seasonal driven. So winter meant inside stuff, which meant museums, Um, There are a bunch of them there, by the way. Nice restaurants, perhaps inside concerts, perhaps an inside ball game of some sort. You know, hockey, uh, uh, college basketball is huge in Kentucky. So... Nice restaurants were inside seatings available, not outside. <laughs> but summer was completely different in Kentucky. Completely different. Outdoor barbecues, creek fishing. Oh, I loved creek fish. Boating on the river or lakes. And they, and they, they hold all their state fairs and they have their amusement parks all wide open in the summer. Wintertime, that's not so much. So that's really the opposite of Florida. Florida is like, is, is like as long as you're south of Lake Okeechobee, it's all about the outdoors pretty much each and every day for each and every month. Yes, we have cold fronts. And yes, they'll knock you down for four or five days. We might even, uh, not down here, but uh, Okeechobee, over to Fort Myers and east over to uh, Palm Beach. You'll you get, you get 39, 49 degrees, scare the bejeebers out of you for a couple of days. And then you run your plants inside, stuff like that. Nothing really happens. Everything's kind of closed. And then and then temperatures start to rise rapidly and you're right back to square one again. So here's a list of things to do near us. I'm going to do the Florida thing now that I've given you a little bit about Kentucky and how different it is. Like I said, Florida is year round. And that's the first thing you have to figure out. We see most of our guests in the winter, but stuff happens here all year long. Down here, it's like, Okay, fishing. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But fishing is like that's all the time. It doesn't ever stop. Fishing is <laughs> day, night, every day. Only time we don't fish here is when the wind is howling. That's that. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's primarily Florida Keys. When I was a uh, fi- working fishing guide up in in uh, the west coast of Florida, southwest coast uh, Pine Island, those areas, a sterile bay and whatnot. When the wind blew, it just depended on direction on whether a trip could be accomplished or not. If you had a, a bay and, and it was, you know, easterly or westerly, there was one side or the other you could hide on and still get your job done and get fish caught. North and would be a little tougher in the winter. South was no problem at all because when the winds blow out of the South in the summer, you want to be out there fishing. That's one of the best times to catch fish. So that was something that, that I never really had a problem with. Down here in the Keys, when the wind blows, that's a little different. Uh, Florida Bay is wide open, and if the wind comes screaming across that at the north, it's just not fun. there's little islands you can hide around, but it's still a problem. There's small bays you can get into. And, of course, there's the Atlantic Ocean, so if you've got wind screaming out of the south, that's not good. Or even the east or the west. You're kind of in wide open water, so it's a little tough. But we fish year-round. We do not stop fishing here. The species change a little bit, the schools that run in the Atlantic change a little bit, but it just it just continues on. It's even hard for me to put seasonal notions in my head for fishing down here. It's really tough. I've noticed the back country here, the, the snapper move out. Um, they do that up north too, or western waters rather. Sailfish becomes huge down here in the winter because of the rougher water and wind. Sailfish happen to like that. Mahi school up spring, summer, fall, but more spring and spring and fall for what i'm noticed, but summer fishing's good too. So you notice these species transfers but it's not like it's certainly not cast in stone. So that's a little different. So we fish a lot here all year. We don't stop because it's going to get icy and cold. What's fun to do? Feed the tarpon at Robbie's. Never done that? Never heard of it? There's this little marina. It's not little anymore. It was a little marina. <laughs> it's right down the road in Mirada a uh, mile marker. I'm going to make a stab at this close to 80, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 80, maybe 70, 77, 78, somewhere down in that ballpark. Um, and it's, it used to be, we, we drove by this the other night going to dinner. It used to be a dock. That's all it really was. There was a dock. You, you checked in, you paid a buck, you got a bucket of uh, finger mullet and you went out to the end of the dock and you hand fed the tarpon. Well, you should see it now. It is crazy. If you really want to have a good time, I'd go very early. um, And maybe, I honestly don't know. I'm speaking off the cuff here. Weekdays, probably, instead of a weekend. But that place was humping when we came by. Let's see, we're coming back on Saturday. That was Saturday evening, and it was unreal. Um, Lots of tarpon, lots of jacks, lots of big birds, everything trying to steal your fish. And then they've turned the entire area into one of those um, outdoor... Tiki malls, you know, where there's all these cool little shops all, all in the parking lot. And that's certainly worth seeing. They got tours out of there. They do sunset tours. They do uh, dolphin. What else? Uh, oh, snorkel and all that kind of stuff. So check out Robbie's. Robbie's, that's one place we tend to wind up with guests. Or we send them. If we know, if we got something to do, we send them. And I should mention that too. As a local, wherever you live, whether it's here, Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, where, you know, California, doesn't matter. When you have guests in, it's okay to keep working. You just take the time that you can take. You know, if they, if they want to come and, and they know you're a working person or a working couple or a working family, then they have to understand that you're not going to be there all the time. What you try to do is do, everybody tries to do breakfast and dinner together. And there might be times and that's just not going to happen. So, a lot of these places I recommend in the Keys are some place that I know I can send them to and they're going to have a good time. I, I don't need to hold their hand. It's like, here, this is, this is what you're going to do. Sunset at the Lorelei or most any other Bayside restaurant. <laughs> of which there are too many to list. Well, I'll list a few in a little bit here. But the reality is is that the Lorelei is a good old-fashioned restaurant. It's a bar to, bar style. You know, pull up to the bar and sit on the edge of the railing, look at the boats coming and going, look out at the water, and enjoy one of the prettiest settings for a sunset. Because the sun goes down over little islands out in the bay, so it gives you some sort of perspective. It's, it's a nice picture. And I've been going there for years, and still one of my favorites. Tiki Cruises. Ah, yeah, tiki cruises, <laughs> uh, cruising tiki's as they call it. Okay, these are little round tiki bars that float. I'll just pause there so you can picture this. You got a bartender sitting in the middle of it. and He happens to be also the captain and driver. They do not sell booze. You bring your own. It's a BYOB. You bring your own snacks. They do have some mixers and water on board and ice. Um, but you should just bring it all. you just bring a bag with stuff in it. You're going to be out for a couple hours. You check in about an hour and a half before sunset. You go out, you cruise the bays. Um, you can book it for yourself all by your lonesome uh, they holds up to six people, so you'll be out there with strangers, but I find that kind of fun. Um, you could also just book the whole daggone tiki cruise and then take six of you. Have, have your family, yourselves, or whatever and go. It is a blast. It's a lot of fun. You're going to see dolphin right at your feet. These things only have about a foot of freeboard at the most. Um, what I mean by that is they're right on the water itself. So when dolphins come by or a manatee, you're, I mean, you're looking right at them. Beautiful sunsets because you're on the water, and they usually stay out until after dark. After the sun starts to go down is when they wind up going, uh, going back to the dark. I mean, dock. <laughs> okay, so it's a close word, and I'm not well. <laughs> but they're fun. I mean, I, I would highly recommend it. And they're all over the state of Florida, not just in the Florida Keys. This one happens to be right here in Key Largo I'm talking about, but they are literally everywhere. So, Kayak tours. There are all kinds of tours. There are kayak tours that will simply just take you out on the water and show you the water. There are tours that will take you out and try to find a manatee or a dolphin to look at. Um, The one my favorite and the one that I recommend the most to other people, especially guests, is what they call the tunnel tours. Down here, we have some amazing mangrove um, areas. And mangrove is a plant that literally grows on the water, out of the water, and near the water, especially red mangrove. And it forms these beautiful tunnels that you can kayak through. You can't possibly get a boat through there. And there are local ones that do that. We have one literally across the street from us. The um, Florida Bay Outfitters is who I'd recommend here. They have kayaks. They load you up in a van, the kayaks are on a trailer. They take you over to Penny camp park. They put it in the water at Penny camp. And then you do the Penny camp tunnels and Janelle have done, and I have done that. And it's really great. I would highly recommend it. A lot of fun. You'll see stuff uh, in the water that you're not going to see anywhere else. And more than that, it's, it's just like going through the jungle. I mean, it's, it really is. Let me tell you something else that has been added. Um, I, I don't, I just started noticing in this, and so I think it's fairly new. Um, It it has to do with our resorts that I was talking about that are very expensive. This one comes; the the resorts they typically come with, I said, giant pools, uh, waterside amenities, bars, and the like. They're now selling day passes for the resort without you having to stay there, and they're considerably less money than obviously staying overnight and using the, the resort itself. So. Uh, you can go in as a non-guest. Uh, you can do, I believe it's one day, two days. Um, you can book them in advance. I called and asked about one of them. and It was really interesting. And its they're not cheap, but they're not expensive either. You can spend the entire day at a resort for around $150 to $200. That's all the amenities, though. If they offer sailboarding, you can do that. They have kayaks, you can do that. Sails, you can do that. The bar itself, the pool, all that stuff. So basically, you are a guest. Now, they limit when it can be done. Um, I didn't really ask about weekends, but it seemed to me—it seems to me—it's going to be off times. I mean, when things are crazy, like Memorial Day or Labor Day, obviously you're not going to be able to do this. But um, for those of you that live in an area like that, you have a resort nearby, or you're traveling to an area like down here in the Keys, and you want to experience kind of the resort life for a day or two. I think that's really really a great way you know, to do it. So there you go. Head to the mini parks along the Keys. There are a ton of them. There are great places to do snorkel trips, dive trips, fishing trips, glass bottom boats for those that want, don't want to get wet, especially on you know the cooler days down here. We had a few so far. Yeah, it got all the way down to 60. It's cold, man. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, one night it got down to 44. I'm like, what is going on? But fortunately, it only lasted about two days and it was over with. But seriously, glass bottom so uh, boats viewing the reefs, that's got to be, we got a report from our guest, from Steve and Terry, and they did the one at, at Pennycamp Park one morning, and they said it was really, really fun. So there you go. I've, I've had a hands-on report from it. So Pennycamp, by the way, has it all. They've got kayaks, tours, swimming holes, snorkel trips, dive trips, do-it-yourself boat rentals. The possibilities for fishing are really, really good there, too. A lot of people shore fish from there. They wade fish there. They also, of course, take kayaks out to fish. And again, you can rent your own powerboat and go out uh, into the Atlantic. Um, let's see. What else? All four of us made a day trip to Marathon. That was uh, Saturday. We did it on Saturday. That was the day we could all get together because Janelle wasn't working that day. Well, she kind of works all the time, but she had some off time at, at that point. Yes, we... We all, um, we headed to Marathon to visit a place called Pigeon Key. What is that you say? (laughs) Simply put, uh, it's a small island. It's about two miles out from the most western end of Marathon and located on the old original seven-mile bridge. It was the work camp when they were building the Florida East Coast Railway's Key West extension system. So in other words, When Flagler got the wild idea that he was going to build a railroad all the way to Key West, it started all the way up here by us in Key Largo. It came down through Homestead, came across Lake Surprise. It got its name because the uh, construction people had no idea that lake was there, and that delayed building had to make another bridge. 42 bridges all the way down to Key West. I've talked about this in another one of my podcasts. So this was the camp location. This is where all these men stayed, and they were all men we found out after the tour yesterday, they stayed there and went out every single morning uh, and worked the bridge, bridges, and helped build the extension from up a marathon all the way south to Key West. At one time, there was many 400 men camping on this island. Uh, And if you pull it up on the web and just look at the size of it, it'll kind of, wow, that's close quarters. Um, And they also worked, of course, on the original seven mile bridge, which was, I call it like, one of the wonders of the world that they could even build a bridge. You got to remember now this happened back in the 1900s. This was not a modern day construction, modern day bridge with cranes and barges and all that kind of stuff. This was pretty much hand built as you go across an open body of water. Seven miles. So under the Seven Mile Bridge, two miles out from from Marathon, is this work camp called Pigeon Key, and it is really really cool. Uh, we had a ball. We had a great guide who told us all about. What happened there and how it was done. The, the The camp was active or started to be active in 1908 and it went through, let's see, 1908 to 1912. And I, like I said, used to house hundreds of workers. Um, they had an enormous mess hall for food, great big cafeteria, if you will. They had, you know, doctors Sunday worship, all the things that you needed were out there, and you were pretty much—I mean, you were—you were indentured to that. You were paid. Um, I understood that most of the men would stay there for a year, and sometimes two. It depended on how, on how long of a contract they signed uh, to work on the bridge. But really amazing—the original buildings are there. There are many of the—it's a historic site. So many of the original buildings are there. You can go through the buildings. You can learn all about how they managed to stay cool in the summer heat, uh, things like that. It's—it's—it was really really neat. Um The bridge opened in 1912. That was its official opening down into Key West. And then after that, it stayed open until 1935. and in 1935, one of the worst hurricanes ever hit Alamorada and uh, the Alamoda area, and literally blew Alamorada away. It it wiped the island clean. It took everything that was on Alamoda and put it into Florida Bay, um, including the railroad. The railroad buckled. The cars were pulled off of the railroad and blown into the into the woods. Well, there weren't any woods anymore; they were just blown away. It was a terrible, terrible disaster. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people died, um, and it, at that point, it was decided not to com- redo the railroad. As a matter of fact, one of the the weirdest thing about this that I learned yesterday that most of what was left after that giant hurricane were the bridges. The railroad itself on the roadbed were, was lifted off the roadbed and washed out because of the enormous amount of water that the storm pushed in. But the storm was small. It wasn't real broad like Ian that we just had down here in Florida that affected an enormously large area. So it really only affected heavy-duty of Mara itself, just that, that particular area. So at that point, they decided, we are going to take the railroad and remove it and turn it into a road to Key West and that work began and the Pigeon Key became the hub for that. It became a supervisory hub for construction for building the road. So at that point, they decided to pull up the tracks, put the roadbed down, and start making it a drivable road to Key West. It'd be one of the first things, first, well, it'd obviously be the first road there. Uh, And that took place. And that went on for quite a while until it was finally opened. And what you see now down there is remnants. When you're driving, you will occasionally see the old bridge next to the new bridge. And that happens right at Pigeon Key. So it's pretty fascinating. You stand out there and you look out and you can see the old bridge is what you get out there on. I'll explain that in a second. And then right across from that is the new bridge that was finished. I think it was 83 or 84 is when the new bridge was finished. So it's a fascinating area. It's important to note that at no time did the railway and cars share the same roadbed. When they decided they were going to do the railway and they just continued the railway, just did it in. And then they started doing the thing for cars. I, I did not know that. I saw some over under bridges out there. You'll see one down at Bahia Honda where there's a, a double decker. And I thought, oh, they moved trains across the bottom. Well, no, they didn't. They, they never did that. The train stopped and they built the cars. They simply built the road bed over the top of the rail track. It was easier and sturdier. So they did it that way some details for pigeon key that i i'd love to share you can bring your own boat there and you can tie up at their dock they got a nice pier you can fish from the pier you can snorkel swim out there you can pack a picnic and you can fish out there you can wade fish for bone fish stuff like that along it's really great um you do not pay to come across the bridge recreationally the the old bridge has been totally restored and just opened this year um let me back up new bridge cars old bridge was sitting there, and people used to go out and walk out there and run out there and bicycle it. They had to repair it. It's been closed for five years while they redid the entire old bridge, 2.2 miles of it. Okay, that's it. And then it stops and drops it. You'll drop into the water if you go too far. Um, they've repaved it. They've regard railed. It's beautiful. And it's designed now for bicycles and pedestrians. That's what it's for. They have a tram ride. You can sign up for It's a cute little, looks like a train engine with a car behind it, like a trolley. And that'll tow you out there. If you don't feel if you are not up to walk and you're too old to walk or whatever, Or, or maybe your wheelchair, they actually have a wheelchair carrier on the back of this thing and they can get you out there. That'll drop you right down at Pigeon Forge, at the buildings. You pay to do that. So you pay for the tram, you pay to board the property, but you can go out and back on the the two-mile old rail system anytime you want. Uh, We saw a lot of people that were joggers, a lot of people bicycling, people walking their dogs. You can't take dogs down on Pigeon Key, but you can walk dogs across there if you want to. So it was really cool. We had a great tour guide. Um, You know, It was really fun. I'd highly recommend it. For more details, go to pigeonkey.net, P-I-G-E-O-N, pigeonkey.net. You can sign up there for tours. You can get a lot of information about the history of the island and stuff like that. So check it out. Next subject, guest expectations. Tell the resident what you hope to do. Don't keep us guessing. If you read something in a book or a magazine or you saw something on TV or the travel channel or whatever, tell us. If we live in that area and you you go, wow, we saw this. We've probably been there. I know Janelle and I, ever since we got here in July, have been doing all kinds of stuff. Just so when people ask us something, we say, yeah, we tried that. It's really, really neat. So, um, Or don't do it. <laughs> Most of them are really neat. Um, but tell, tell us what you want to do. It, I know it sounds simple. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're not really tour guides. We're, we'll do our best to set you up with good ones, though. In, in other words, you know fishing charters, right? And other outdoor excursions, right? If you're if you're the guy, if you're the person, you know that. You've been there. You live there. I know that. So I know who to call. However, the one thing that all folks at any location can do is direct you to the places to eat. If they don't know guides, they don't know where to go and stuff like that, they... What is it? Well, of course, we all have to eat. And we all love dining out. All of us do. We don't admit that. But when you're down here in the islands, you certainly do. So there's something you can go with. But just keep in mind, tell them what you want to do. Tell them what your expectations are. It makes it a lot easier. In our realm, we have a bunch of places to have the best seafood meal you have ever have. You'll ever have. Here's a few. I'm going to run through them real quick. I've done most of these. Well, I've done quite a few of these on podcasts before. But what the heck? Fish House, our favorite, no doubt about it, is here in Key Largo. Um, the others are great, but this go-to for all-around food and services is at the top of my list. Uh, you know, it's, I just No matter what, we just had Steve and Terry here, they confirmed. They go, man, that was great. It is. It's fantastic. The Lazy Lobster, not too far from us. Um, outside underneath the Tiki Bar, great food, really great food. And, and I like the location because of being able to eat outside under the Tiki Bar. Bayside Grill and Sunset Bar. Last part says it all. <laughs> yep, it's a Bayside Grill, but it's got up on upstairs it's got a Sunset Bar. Well, downstairs, downstairs it's got a I'm sorry, downstairs is a sun bar, Sunset Bar. Upstairs is Bayside Grill. There's a beautiful view of the bay when the sun goes down. That's, you know, that's all you need to know. Get there about an hour before set up for dinner, get your cocktails and then enjoy a beautiful sunset. And by the way, their portions are huge. So if you're a hungry, hungry eater, I'd highly recommend going to the Bayside Grill. Next door, Snook's Bayside out Outdoors. Let's see, what what um, what I want to... Oh, it's outdoors. That's what I want to tell you. The Snook's Bayside is an outdoor... Mostly, it has an inside and it has inside tables and has a bar, but the outside is enormous and also sits on the bay. It's almost next door to a bayside, so... And that's where we pick up the cruising tiki's. So if you're going to do a tiki, you can pick it up at Snook's Bayside, go out for your tiki, and then come back for dinner. What a night. The hideout. (laughs) Yep, that's what it's called, the hideout. Step back in time. Have a solid breakfast in an old-fashioned Florida waterside restaurant. That's all I need to tell you about that one. Lazy days down in Isla Mirada. Oceanfront dining from an elevated spot. Ah. it's it's oceanfront i guess that's the main thing it's it's most of the things that are up by us are bayfront see we have this enormous bay in between us an enormous batch of land before you actually hit the atlantic ocean so a great many of the restaurants here don't look at the ocean they look at a bay on either side for that matter but that's not so with lazy days lazy days in ala uh, looks out at the ocean you can sit let's see upstairs inside patio and down on the beach from what i remember it's been a while i'm gonna have to go back there their favorite dish for me is the Yellowtail Snapper. Let me run this by you. You ready? Okay, you got a, you got a napkin or a tissue so you can wipe your mouth and all? Okay, here we go. It's encrusted with Italian breadcrumbs, roasted almonds, sautéed and topped with fresh diced tomatoes, scallions, uh, shredded Parmesan cheese, and then they top it with a key lime butter. <laughs> <laughs> also, down that way is the Square Grouper and the Sunset Lounge. They're one and the same sort of Square Groupers on the ground floor, Sunset Lounge is upstairs. This has been voted the number one spot just about anywhere from Alarm up to here, probably down south, dude. This is a fabulous restaurant. Um, delicious food on the bayside, hard to beat but dinner time is crazy. This restaurant opens at five and all the seats are taken by five 30. You'll be waiting a half hour to an hour after five 30. So if you want to get there and get right into this restaurant, you got to get there when it opens at five o'clock. If you don't, that's okay. The other night we arrived at five twenty. our wait was 45 minutes. I think they said, and we went upside up top three floors up. There's a, a bar up there called the Sunset Lounge. That's why I said they're kind of one and the same. We went up there for cocktails and appetizers and The View, watched a beautiful sunset that we didn't think we were going to get. It was cloudy, but daggone every now and then that sun will drop between the cloud and water and just give you a gorgeous sunset. So we were all happy about that. Pay your tab when your when your little uh, when your phone goes off, says your table's ready downstairs. Pay your tab and go downstairs and start all over again. The square grouper is... It's a happening spotless, but I have never been in there when there's not 10 gazillion people around. So, Um, so anyway, yeah, just go downstairs, rinse and repeat and have yourself one heck of a meal. As one of my friends said, come early and, and uh, uh, no, he said, come hungry and leave full. (laughs) That's what it was. Come hungry and leave full. It would be remiss of me not to include my favorite hangout for beer, burgers, fish sandwiches, and good tunes. Yep, fabulous sunset spot. I already mentioned it, the Laurel Island Alamorada. Over the years, I have spent a ton of quality time there. Um, What I like about it, of course, is the view of the sunset, but I like it's old Florida and they really haven't changed it much. There's a seating area now on the beach where you can sit at a table on the beach. You can sit at the bar. You can sit at the rail and watch boats come and go. It's fun. Lorelei, Alamrata, um, go. At this point, I have to mention fishing charters. I'm not going to go into specific names on this, but what I want to talk about is there are a ton of captains down this way, and they all seem to do a great job. I I don't really get reports of like, don't do that. Honestly, I've never heard that down here. Um, If you're staying with or visiting a resident, let them arrange the booking if at all possible. Don't do it yourself. That'll take a bunch of guesswork out of finding just the right captain. We are familiar with several names. We've gone out with several. We trust them and know them, so obviously we're going to go in that direction. But at the same time, we know who to ask if those people aren't available. So that's something that uh, people struggle with when they come down, especially for the first time to the Keys and they've ne- or anywhere. Whether you go to Sanibel Keys, East Coast, West, it doesn't matter. Your first time, you have no idea what's going on there. So if there's anybody you can go to and you're visiting someone, ask them. It's, it's not imposing on me. I'd much rather go out there and try to set one up for you than to have you uh, get, do the guesswork. Now, here's the tip for you. If you don't have a contact and if you're going someplace you've never been to before and there's nobody around that's been there either, um, there are guides associations located all over the state of Florida. I'm speaking specifically for our state, but I know they exist elsewhere. I know they're in North Carolina, on the coast, maybe the whole state for that, Virginia. I don't know about Kentucky, can't speak for that, but most coastal states, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, they all have guides associations. Um, In our case, we have the Florida Keys Association, Uh, for that's all the Florida Keys. And I think there's an upper and a lower and a middle Keys Association as well, so there's somebody you can contact. The Florida Guides Association covers the entire state. That's another good contact if you're looking for a guide in the specific areas. These groups have very strict membership requirements especially for needed insurance and paperwork. You got to prove you're really a licensed captain, you got to prove you're insured, you got to prove you've taken the life saving courses, you know, that you got to have all the stuff your your fishing licenses all have to be current and they check them every single year. So when you re up, they say okay, send us all. They don't they don't just go okay, you're in the club now. And we we don't worry about you. That's not what happens with these guys. These guys are a lot more serious than that. So they check it out. So it's a really good place to start if you're not sure where to go. Okay, it's time to wrap this up. So in summary, be a good guest, but be a good host. It's really pretty simple. We, the hosts, want you to have a good time and enjoy your breakaway from the rat race. And as a guest, we want to see and do new stuff. If I'm coming to your place, pick something weird. (laughs) I like weird. I've done some pretty wild stuff, especially out west. Again, it's really pretty simple. It's not all that tough. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, please tell a friend, leave a review, or subscribe to the channel. Catch you Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network, it is available at Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page, Catch you Outdoors website, waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.